If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to a Why Can't We podcast called This Sport Podcast. My name is Peter Harding. And I'm Sean Malone. Each month we'll bring you up to date with disability sports stories from around the world. We'll also be joined by a few people involved in disability sports. Why Can't We has been running since 2012 after I saw the Paralympics in London. After attending as a spectator, I wondered why we don't see coverage of disability sports on a regular basis. Disability sports happen all the time, not just every four years. So I started the campaign to help raise awareness of disability sports and the campaign has grown from there. These podcasts are made to help you keep up to date with para-sports, for relief athletes to sports fans. Or if this is the first time you're hearing about disability sport, please follow on Why Can't We social media or visit whycantwe.co.uk and make sure you subscribe to this podcast the campaign can't carry on without your support so join us each month for an update on this sport pod twenty twenty one has been a difficult start for lots of people however disability sport has not paused the first athletes to be chosen to represent GB at the Paralympics was announced, with six parachuting athletes selected. So huge congratulations to Matt Skelton, James Bevis, Tim Jeffrey, Ryan Cockbill, Lorraine Lambert and Izzy Bailey. We're looking forward to seeing them compete in Tokyo this year. The Australian Open also took place earlier this month and our wheelchair tennis players didn't let us down. Alfie Hewitt and Gordon Reid won the doubles titles and also after claiming their 10th Grand Slam titles together, which is also their 5th Grand Slam in a row. They managed to hold off their opponents, Stefan Hudet and Nicholas Pfeiffer. Alfie Hewitt also competed in the Australian Open Singles Championship and came second after losing to Joachim Gerrard. 0-6, 6-4 and 4-6. Also sticking with the wheelchair tennis, Ben Bartram became the world number one in the junior rankings and spoke to me on Instagram Live in the interview you can still watch on Instagram TV. Whilst you're catching up with the interview on Ben Bartram, you can also catch up on the interview with Corey Mapp, who competes in para bobsleigh. The Para Sport World Cup has taken place in St Moritz, and Corey finished fourth and fifth in his events. Good luck to Corey in the Para Sport World Cup Championships in St Moritz on the 25th and 26th of February as well. Disability sport is happening all the time. So if you know an event is happening near you and you want to shout about it, then please feel free to get in touch with me at peter at whycantwe.co.uk. Each month, I'll keep you updated. So please subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcast. My name is Sam Harris and I'm a journalist for Why Can't We? Read my articles at whycantwe.co.uk. So hello everyone and welcome to the very first This Sport Pod. This is a sport pod run by Why Can't We and it's about disability sports just for you. Joining me today is Sean Malone. Hello, I'm Sean. Now this podcast is all about teaching people about para-sport. It's for everyone, for elite athletes all the way to fans. If you don't know much about para-sport then go on to our website at whycantwe.co.uk and on all social media platforms. Remember to subscribe to the podcast. We can't go on without your support. This podcast should be for everyone. So if you've never seen disability sport before, don't worry. Hopefully we're going to bring you up to date. 
Sean, tell us about your own experiences with disability sport then. For me, like, I was born completely able-bodied and everything up until I was 15. And then I had a brain injury. And my brain injury left me with left-side hemiplegia, which meant the left side of my body wouldn't work at all. So then my physios told me about disability football. So I started playing disability football to help myself in my recovery and through playing disability football it's what got me back on my feet and walking and running and moving again and not only did it get me moving it got my mental health to a much better place on accepting myself and my new disability. Yeah and obviously disability football is our topic for today did you actually play disability football? Do you now coach disability football? And where yeah. else do you do that as well? I I, I was playing uh, disability football at the Manchester United Foundation for years for their Ability Counts teams. But now I've decided to stop playing and I took over a coaching role and I now coach Manchester United Foundation's disability football teams, both under 16 and open age now. Yeah, and obviously for some of the people who might be watching any of the clips on social media, or if you can hear this voice and you recognise it, where do people know you from? Well, I'm also a cast member on Gogglebox, part of the Malone family, the one with the dogs and the cakes. That's the one, exactly. And those cakes are obviously, um, are they provided by Gogglebox or is that something that you have to purchase yourself? That's my mum, that. she, she's a feeder. Is she? Oh, fantastic. Mm -hmm. Well, hopefully we can feed you lots of information today on the podcast. Um, and like I said earlier, today's topic is disability football. So do you want to introduce our first guest who's going to be joining us today? Well, today we've got Brian Kilpatrick Elliott to talk to. Okay, so Brian, hello. How are you doing today? I'm doing good, thanks. Thanks for having me on for the first podcast. I really appreciate it. No worries at all. And thank you for joining us as well. Um, so Brian, obviously this is a podcast for people to learn about disability football um, or just disability sports, but football into this topic today. Do you want to tell us about how your journey started in CP football? And tell us a bit about CP football as well. So my journey started basically when I was, I went to my first Manchester United match. To, and then that's really when I started to like football. And then I went into mainstream football from that and started playing with my friends and all that kind of stuff. And then I wanted to try and like, go further with it so basically I went on to YouTube yeah. and looked up like CP football and I found a man called Jack Rutter who used to be the cerebral palsy football England captain wow okay and, and I messaged him on Twitter and he came back to me and, and was gave me some trials at York for a team in York and then after that I just started to play CP football all the time and just Fantastic. kept playing. Okay, so for anyone who doesn't know what CP football is, do you want to explain sort of the basic rules of CP football? Basically, CP football is a game where players with cerebral palsy get to play uh, football. And, the, and there's like different rules. So yeah, there's like, you play on a seven-side pitch. There's uh, obviously seven sides. And then there's like roll-ins instead of throw-ins. There's no offsides and it's just all it's just a very like different game to mainstream yeah exactly um and, and sean what's your involvement have you ever played cp football or seen cp football being played before i i played a little bit of cp football myself due to having a brain injury i've never played at the level that brian has brian plays a much better level than me and i've seen brian play brian is absolute quality player so I couldn't tell Brian anything about football. When it comes to Brian, I just watch and learn. Yeah, amazing. So, Brian, obviously you're a big fan there. Yeah. What is your ambition going forward with, with CP football? Obviously, you now play for CP United. I can see you've got the T-shirt on. And look at all those medals in the background. Absolutely fantastic. Yeah, that's good. So, my ambition with cerebral palsy football is to basically like raise awareness and try and get the game more popular and like help more people find out about it earlier. So like if you have cerebral palsy, it's, you can find it and be able to play it. And I also want to play in the Paralympics for, uh, for the England team. 
Okay, amazing. Um, and so for the England team, you have to try or to just get into? Uh, at the minute, I'm playing for a uh, talent pathway squad. Okay. So if as long, basically, that's just you keep going like three, four times a year. You keep playing with them, and then every year you get to see if you get to stay with them or not. And then as that goes, eventually I'll be able to play in like more tournaments and hopefully the Paralympics and stuff like that. If I get yeah, it. yeah. So. Oh, that's incredible. Now I've got a bit of a, a surprise for you. Uh, so we said you said everyone about your sort of ideal player who you want to look up to. And what was his name again? Uh, Marcus Rashford. No, the, the other one, the CP player, who, who oh. you messaged on. Oh, yeah, What's so his name? Jack Rutter. Jack Rutter. Well, um, I'd just like to introduce you to a friend of mine, uh, and his name is Jack Rutter, and hopefully Jack Rutter will be coming on screen very shortly to say hello. Hello. Okay. Hi, Jack. Hello. How are we doing? You okay? Yeah. Hello, uh, Brian. How are you, mate? You all right? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Nice to see you. Was it a bit of a surprise we joined in today? Yeah. Fantastic. How are you doing, Peter? Are you okay? Yeah, good, thank you. All good, thanks. And Sean um, obviously hasn't met Jack before, so um, welcome to both of you as well. Nice to meet you, Sean. You okay? Good, cheers. Yourself? Yeah, I'm all right, thank you, mate. Coping in these strange times we all find ourselves in. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, so, Brian, obviously, you didn't expect this at all, did you? No. Any words you want to say to Jack? Um, just, I'm just, I don't, I'm just... Speechless. <laughs> <laughs> a shock, yeah. Yes. And how's, why, the, uh, why... how's the lockdown going for you, uh, Brian? You're doing lots of training. Uh, yeah, lots of training in my back garden and trying to keep, uh, you know, just keep playing and trying to keep going. Brilliant. Yeah. Working towards getting a few few more medals to put behind you there, right? Eh? How many medals have you got? Crikey! I don't even know. More, more medals than I have, pal. <laughs> <laughs> One day at uh, the Paralympic medal, hopefully as well. And hey, hope so. Hope so. One day coaching Brian to a, hopefully to a medal. That would be unbelievable, wouldn't it? Fingers yeah, crossed. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. So Jack, tell us a bit about yourself then. So Brian's introduced you a little bit and said that he reached out to you as the England CP captain. Do you still play for CP football, or what's happened since since that time? So when was it, Brian? You reached out. Was it 2016? Was it think- after the Paralympics? Yeah. Yeah, so I was still playing then, so just captain Great Britain in the in the Paralympics in Brazil, which is obviously incredible uh, on the world stage. I believe it's now the third biggest sporting event in the world, so it was great to, to do that. And for, on a personal point of view, it helped me come to terms with what happened to me losing my professional career with Birmingham City, uh, helped me to come to terms with my brain injury, but also it gave me a platform to do the work that I do now as a motivational speaker, coach, mentor, and obviously through the media work that I did. Brian picked up on that. Saw a few clips on YouTube and he's scoring a few goals. And then that helps him find out about the sport. And it was a route to get into the sport, which obviously makes me more proud than any goal that I've scored. It's inspiring others and, and allowing others to have the opportunity to follow in my footsteps. So that was how me and Brian sort of connected through Brian's dad, which was great. And now Brian's doing amazing things on the pitch and off the pitch as well, promoting the sport. Uh, but then me personally, played in the World Cup in 2017, which was another massive highlight in Argentina. We actually got to semi-finals of that tournament, first time in our history. Um, but then after that tournament, unfortunately, they changed the rules on the type of, I suppose, the classification rules. So we all get classified at different levels of impairments in the Paralympic Games. And I was in the least impaired category after my recovery from my brain injury. But unfortunately, they changed the rules on what type of brain injury qualifies to play. So I don't quite fit the criteria, nor does a player called Ollie Nugent, who was born with CP. So... We were both really, really gutted, really frustrated because we were really building momentum as a team. We'd gone from ninth to fourth in the world in like four years. We were really mixing it with the big boys. We were playing some of the best football we've ever played. So it was a shame, but Ollie's gone on to play football in America, at a university in Texas, and I'm now coaching the England under-21 CP team. Done my A licenses, doing more speeches and more mentoring work, trying to help young people to reach their potential. So, got to be proud of the achievements. And now I'm trying to use my platform to help others. Amazing, absolutely incredible. And obviously, we said about how the classification has changed. But for someone who hasn't seen disability football being played or CP football specifically, do you want to tell us more about the classification and how that's all done? 
Peter, you're you're stitching me up here, mate, because it's not oh, an easy thing to explain. <laughs> so when when I played, you were in four categories. So you yeah. had a, a CP5, it was known as. So you'd have to have cerebral palsy in both of your legs. Cerebral palsy comes from a brain injury at birth, affects your muscle movement in your limbs, so balance coordination. You'd have a CP6, which was some sort of cerebral palsy in all four limbs or some sort of um sort of injury or something that affects your balance and coordination in all four limbs that can come from a stroke as well you've got a cp7 which is the most common type of category so a hemiplegic so one side of their body will be affected by cp or a stroke so the captain at the moment matty cross and i know you've done an amazing feature on him he's affected on his left side so his left side isn't quite as mobile yeah. hasn't got quite the balance or strength but his right side is like superhuman he's unbelievable he plays off one side um, which is incredible. And then you have someone like myself, who's normally mild cerebral palsy or acquired brain injury. Um, so we're not quite as affected as the others. Um, but the, the thing about being in my category is that only one of us could play at one time. So I was competing for one position in the team with people like Sean Hydale, ex-Liverpool, ex-England under-17 captain, uh, Nicky Fish, who played for Wales and Cardiff other terrific players in that category as well. So if you were playing, you knew you were doing well to be playing in that team. Uh, the other categories, anybody could play, but you had to have at least one category five on the pitch. So normally the most impaired. I don't really like saying that because they're still fantastic athletes. But Giles Moore was the goalkeeper and he was our classification five, CP in both legs, but you wouldn't even know it in the goal. He is pulling off shots, 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 shot stopping that you'd see in the Premier League. Absolutely amazing. He's probably the main reason why we managed to mix it with the big boys because he made so many saves, keeping us in game. So that's how it predominantly it works. But following the changing classification rules, there's now just three. So fundamentally, yeah. that top category is gone. So that classification eight is gone. It's now just one two and three pretty much the same rules as the five six and seven um, and you have to have I think some sort of spasticity in your limbs which only comes really from a stroke cerebral palsy or a really really serious brain injury later on in life which causes that spasticity or nerve damage in your limbs I hope that makes sense I'll try my hardest there Peter no no that's fantastic and <laughs> hopefully our listeners will understand that I mean Sean obviously we said about how put you on the spot again but we said about how you're not the most updated disability sports. So does that make sense to you about that classification? Do you understand that? Yeah, I get an understanding of that classification too. So if you, the more limbs you have that are affected, the higher your level is it? Yeah, the more, well, not necessarily the higher the level, you'd be like a five or a one classification. The higher you go up in terms of the number, the least impaired you are. But, You've got players like Albergoff, who plays for Russia, who's technically a CP1 or an old CP5, CP in both his legs, but he's absolutely incredible. You know, he's really quick. He's got great movement. He can strike a ball off both feet. So, you know, just because they're in a lower ca category doesn't mean they're not a better player than some of the higher category players. It's an amazing sport. And that's why cerebral palsy is such a, such a hard disability to explain to people because the spectrum to it is so massive um, and so huge and be quite mild like someone like Matty Cross, who's the captain now, can somebody who's quite more impaired. But the way that the athletes adapt and learn so much about what they can do with their body and train and overcome their impairments is really inspiring. And that's what makes para football what it is, really. Yeah, that's incredible. Brian, is there any questions you've got for Jack at all about classification or anything else at all? Not really. I sort of understand it now. And, and have you been classified as well, Brian? I can't remember what it is, but I'm pretty sure it's... I'm quite mild, so I'm pretty sure I'd be quite low down. I think Brian would be. You'd probably be a three. I think Brian, maybe a two though. Have you got? Have you got one side of your body effects, haven't you, Brian? Is that yeah, right? Just my right yeah. side. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so you could easily be um, easily be a two or a three. Yeah. Uh, but you definitely can play the sport, which is the main thing, and have the opportunity to try and play. And I've seen you in action, top top young player. And if you keep working hard, you yeah. never know. I think you could always get a job in the media, though, Brian. The little work you're doing promoting the sport. One way or another, you're going to make it big, pal. Don't worry. Disability football hasn't been publicised as much as we kind of hope it would be. You know, you look at the... I mean, Brian, in the background, you've got Manchester United cushion there oh, yeah. and 
I bet you could name every single Man United player off the top of your head like that, can you? Yeah. But can you name every single disability football player the same way? Uh, most of them, yes. Most of them you can. Um, Sean, can you? This is a big thing. Like I could name countless professional mainstream football players. But when it comes to disability football, because we don't have the same access to it as we would do with mainstream football, I wouldn't be able to name any. Yeah, so obviously this is a big area that I think we need to talk about. Disability football needs to have more publicity. And Brian, do you want to explain why social media was a big impact for you? So basically, I just wanted to make sure that other people like knew about the sport because at the minute it's quite not a lot of people really know about it and I it took quite a long time for me to find out about it. So if I keep trying to like do stuff on like such as this and stuff like that to try and get it out there, it's a lot easier for people to be able to find out about it younger. So they've got more chance of playing football and having more fun with it. Yeah. And uh, so part I'll explain a bit more about why can't we campaign as well. Yeah. So I had a brain injury um, when I was 15 years old and I also played CP football and I managed to get to play for Chelsea and captain them, represented them around the world as well. I went to Barcelona at one time, met Messi on the pitch, highlight of my whole career. Fantastic. And I came back and I thought, why is it that no one knows about us as a Chelsea disability football team? And the reason was because the media hadn't covered it and they'd covered all the other events that happened, but not disability football. Now, Jack, obviously you've represented GB internationally at Paralympics for England and everything. Why do you think that is the case, that CP football hasn't been covered? It's a really tough one, mate. And um, one thing that I said to myself, like Brian said about trying to raise awareness of the sport to help others to find a route into the sport, I was exactly the same. So I had my injury in 2009, but it wasn't until 2012 that I found out the sport even existed. So I could have um, been on the road to my recovery so much sooner, um, having an opportunity to get back into playing football after you know my professional football dreams, you know, unfortunately not um, happening because of my brain injury. So I could have played in World Cups, European Championships. I could have played in the London uh, 2012 Paralympics, probably the best Paralympics has ever been. But there wasn't yeah. the awareness there. So I thought to myself, as soon as I got the opportunity to play for England. One of my first objectives was to become captain. So I felt like I could captain that team and hopefully do the business on the pitch. That was the most important thing. But then off the back of that, build the sport, whether it's through media stuff, um, doing stuff um, in newspapers, adverts, or doing the work that I do in schools, promoting uh, the, the, the game, and raising awareness through my story. And that's what I try to do um, as much as possible. Keep banging on the drum. Keep trying to raise awareness. The reasons why I don't think... Um, it's seen the same as maybe professional football in men's or women's games because there's an unconscious bias. People think about disability and they just think, oh, it's probably not as good. Oh, it's going to be, you know, it's just going to be a session just put on to make up the numbers sort of thing. But they don't realise the level involved in the game. The level is absolutely amazing. I'd back the seven-a-side Paralympic team, the England team in 2017, or the Russian team or the Ukrainian team to take on semi-professional footballers at seven-side football and give them a good run for their money. The standard's incredible. It's an elite level. Um, and if people actually spent the time to watch the game and the media outlets actually showed the games, whether it's on BBC, ITV, Channel 4, Sky or BT, promoted the sports, put the live games on there when we had tournaments, people would see firsthand the standard of the top teams. That would then increase awareness. More people would get involved. Hopefully it'll become more professional and then funding would improve and then it should hopefully build the sport as well and catch up the professional game. Um, it's going to take a long time to do it, but we have to keep doing stuff like this. That's why this Why Can't We thing is, is absolutely brilliant that you're doing, Peter and Sean. So I just hope it can be the start of something special um, to talk about all of the different disability teams, to promote all of the, the sports and the teams so we can catch up that professional level because um, it's an amazing opportunity and every single person deserves the opportunity to play. And at the moment, we're not quite doing enough, whether it's the media, governing bodies, anybody else. We need to do more and more and more to promote the sport. Yeah. And I think one thing that I can definitely pick up from you there, Jack, is the optimism you have, especially with disability football, but also the, the development that sport is having and disability sport is having in the future. So what advice could you give to someone like Brian, who is at the start of his career and looking forward to try and get 
to the Paralympics. I was trying to get to the England team and become that captain. What advice would you give to him? I don't really need to give Brian any advice because he's he's his own own man and he's doing amazing things and he's doing more than most people of his age. So he can probably give me some advice. But um, no, I'll just say that just keep being keep being resilient. You're going to come through challenges, whether it's not being appreciated the same as as other players because you play disability football for whatever reason. You know, you're going to find it hard sometimes with your CP mentally and physically. Got to keep trying to break down barriers. Keep resilient. You might not get picked straight away. You might have to be patient and buy your time because the standard is very high. It might take quite a while to get into the 21s, then into the senior team. And you should constantly uh, be learning all the time on and off the pitch, watching players who play CP football for Russia, Ukraine, England, learning off them, constantly trying to improve yourself and also just try and be as positive as possible. So any frustration that I've ever felt in my life or, you know, sadness, frustration, pain, annoyance, other things, frustrations, I try and just turn all that negative energy into a positive energy and just try and be as positive as possible. Keep talking about it until people are sick of it. Keep raising awareness and just keep trying to do the business on the pitch. That's all that you can do. And Brian's doing that so, so well. We need more young people like Brian who feel the confidence to have a voice because um, it's doing amazing things um, for our country. So I'm very proud of Brian. And I just hope that he can, you know, continue to develop and improve and, and one day make it the England team. I, I couldn't think of anything better than seeing Brian play for England in the future. Well, Brian, what did you have to say for that? Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you, Brian. You inspire me, young man. So, Brian, obviously that is, you know, incredible words from Jack there. And yeah. hopefully very inspiring for you to go forward and become that England captain. And one day in the future, you can have the, the podcast all over again. Yeah. And we can have that interview once again, you can say... I'm now the captain of the England team. Yeah. So tell us more about then yourself and, and disability football and your own sort of career. What things are you hoping to, to do in the future? Or where do you see yourself with CP United at the moment? You know, what's the next steps for you? So with CP United, I would like to try and make it into the adults team once I'm old enough and keep playing with them. And I've seen people from the adults like make it up to the under-21s and I've been able to talk to them and used to train with them and it's and all that. So if I can make it to the adults, then I reckon then that could be like the next step up to hopefully keep getting towards the England squad, if you like. Yeah, and one massive thing that I've, I've noticed also you've done is you're the International Federation of CP Football Youth Ambassador. Yes. Is that right? Yes. Tell us about how that role came about and tell us about what that role is. So basically, I was just making some like videos and stuff like that of on and just been on the internet and trying to like raise awareness and stuff and then they contacted me and said do you want to be the first IFCPF youth ambassador what I do for them is I just make videos and you know little challenge videos you know stuff like that and send it off to them and they just put it on their websites and use it to help raise awareness about the sport and is that the kind of the key message you're trying to get across to, to raise the awareness? Try and raise awareness of the sport so more people can get involved. And and obviously in 2018, you met the whole of the CP England team. Yeah. yeah that Tell was, us about that. So I went over to Holland to watch the um, Euros and I managed, and then I went to one of the games and then I got to meet all the players and the, like, they were playing with me and stuff for the game. I got to play with them and stuff and then I even like I scored a goal against the goalkeeper <laughs> I just oh, wow. it was funny as that you scored past Giles Brian yeah I think it was yeah it was wow many people have tried that and not succeeded so you should be proud of that that's a hell of an achievement <laughs> yeah see the England captain one day it's going to come your way Brian definitely <laughs> that's fantastic well done hi I'm Matt I'm a Why Can't We journalist, and you can check out my articles at whycan'twe.co.uk. Now, Brian, even even not at England level, at club level, you're playing at a high level, aren't you? Because I know when I met you, it was at St George's Park, wasn't it, when you were playing at a tournament for CP United, and you was against some real good teams there. So even in a club level, you're playing high, aren't you? And yeah. I know multiple CP United players that have gone on to the adult level that you're talking of, that have gone on to play for England. So I know, and you know, you're definitely in the best place for learning and getting to that level. So 
there's a strong thing I definitely think watching you, Brian, you'll definitely make it up there. There you go, Brian. You've got a lot of fans here on this call. So <laughs> just I just want to say something about CP United as well. They are an unbelievable club. Um we as Brian's doing great work as a youth ambassador, but I think we need more CP United, uh, Peter. We need more clubs yeah. really buying into it. I know Michelle, the coach there, is fantastic. She runs a really professional outfit, um, really developing them as people and young people develop, but also as players. So if more and more clubs around the country can be like CP United and more professional teams, the Premier League Championship, English Football League clubs can have specific um, disability teams and use the funding they have towards that, getting good elite coaches coaching and building the games. I think that will really help the regional setups more and more grassroots level and then that will filter to the elite level as well so just on top of the thing that I said recently uh, before I'll definitely add that as well we need more clubs like CP United because they are a terrific outfit yeah and Michelle Wilcox obviously being uh, one of the sort of star ambassadors there incredible work that she does why do you think it is that some of the teams we've got now so say for example going back to Manchester United why do you think we don't have specific CP outfits in those Premier League clubs well, some do. I know you've got like West Bromwich Albion, brilliant, that's it. Brighton are. Um, I'm an ambassador now at Wolverhampton Wonders Football Club, so they're getting better now as well. And obviously COVID's hit, you know, people really, really, really hard. So I think a lot of disability clubs have stopped. But I don't know really why. There's, they put on sort of pan-disability stuff, which covers sort of learning difficulties and physical impairments. But really, every Premier League club should, at least a Premier League because they've got the funding, they should have specific team so blind football team uh, partially sighted deaf uh, power chair all across the board CP playing in leagues competing against each other professional outfits that's the only way you can really start building momentum in the right way and then you need the media capturing it all and getting it out there at the elite level and the grassroots level so that's what we really need why they don't do it or as much as they should I think it's just going to take time there's got to be patient I always make the point about the women's game so the women's game was, you know, 20 years ago, people didn't know too much about women's football. It wasn't professional in, in England anyway. USA really started it off. But now look at the Lionesses now. Terrific players, entertaining, improving all the time. The Women's Super League's brilliant to watch. And that's been because funding's gone up, media have got involved, they've become professional, and it's just improved and improved and improved. Disability football is exactly the same. So I'll keep trying to bang on that drum as much as I can because... Until I've done that, then my work's not done. And obviously, you know, we've got women's football now and we're hearing more and more about these names that we can all kind of recognise now. Do you think the same needs to happen with disability football? So we've got pundits on the air who've got disabilities and play disability football. So obviously we've got some of the power chair football players who recently won the Euros and that was out in France. Did a fantastic job. They uh, won the Euros. But again, we didn't see any coverage of them on the media. Now, do you think someone, the one of the power chair football players, could come on and do as good a job as a pundit? Why not? I mean, there needs to be representation in all, all across all media, um, whether it's in acting, whether it's in punditry, exports, people getting involved, people with diff different disabilities, being allowed the same opportunities and the same pathways as anybody else. And that's something that I think, we talk about discrimination a lot in, it, in this country. I think one of the most discriminated groups is disability. And it's never really talked about that much for whatever reason. But for what I see, the, most, the group that's discriminated against the most is disability. So trying to build bridges by getting more people with different disabilities um, involved in the media, acting, like I said, different things like that. And why not? Why can't someone like John Bolding, who has captained the um, power chair team to European Championship success, be allowed the opportunity to at least work for some media outlets now and again, talking about a game of football? At the end of the day, Football is football. If you know football, you know football. Why can't you ask John an opinion about a game? And the same with people in CP football, blind football, whatever. I think there needs to be more opportunities for them to talk about the game as it would help just with representation and it's just equal opportunity for us all. So. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. I mean, Sean, obviously you're a star of Google Box uh, and you also have a disability yourself. What do you think about the media and improving disability? I think... It's a real good point Jack makes of football's football. And as Jack mentioned before, he's got his coaching badges of stuff and stuff. And Jack's got to a pretty high level of football, as high as he could reach. So there's no reason 
Jack couldn't even go on TV speaking about a mainstream football game as Jack has the ability and the knowledge of football to know what teams could be doing the right thing and what players could do to improve themselves. So I don't see the difference really in Henri doing that than Jack having the same opportunity to do that. Yeah, Thanks, exactly. Sean, who's been compared to Thierry Henry. Take that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, but I, I do agree. Though. I would never say myself because there's other people for me to say about me. So that's, that's very kind, Sean. But I do feel like it would be absolutely amazing to see somebody who's played disability football at the highest level allowed the opportunity to, to talk about a game of football on the TV. That would take be real strides in the right direction. What do you think about that, Brian? I think that they should be allowed to do that and that if that was to happen, that should be absolutely amazing and help everyone understands it better and it'd just be great wouldn't it yeah i mean so, so potentially we could see even presenting on tv one day after you finish your oh. amazing career as the england captain that'd be great that'd be, yeah. awesome. <laughs> that'd be fantastic wouldn't it My name's Grace and I'm a Why Can't We journalist. You can read some of my articles over at whycan'twe.co.uk. So, Jack, obviously your sort of key motivation or your key focus at the moment is motivating other people. And you're trying to push the word about disability football and also just about trying to get active and um, just motivating people in general. So where has that enthusiasm come from? Yes. Okay. Well, I think it's just come from having a passion so young in life, um, working really hard, overcoming lots of obstacles and challenges along the way. Obviously, then getting to the point where you're going to achieve your dreams um, and play professional football. You know, who knows the Premier League or the Championship, and then to lose that and go through you know that very traumatic experience. You know, it was awful. But I was lucky that you know I managed to rise to the challenge in many ways through an opportunity to play disability football. It changed my life. And not only have I managed to play at the highest level for my country, but I, like I said, at the, almost at the start of this, this session, I thought to myself, I have to use this platform in a positive way. I have to infect positive change in the media, out there with young people trying to be a role model for them, to try and break down doors for them to then hopefully go through, whether it's playing the game or punditry or being in the news or being in adverts like I've been very fortunate to be a part of that's what I've tried to work towards as much as possible um, the only way that you can do that is by being positive turning negatives into into positive positive experiences stepping out your comfort zone as well that's a massive one because I think about some of the first speeches that I did and how nervous I was and messed up and I'd read off a piece of paper and it was rubbish but I thought to myself you know what I'm going to get better because I'm willing to constantly step out of my comfort zone same with my coaching I remember the first coaching session I did at University of Gloucestershire and I stood there with like 14 players in front of me and I was like it's one of the ground to swallow me up out of my comfort zone I thought I should know this I've played football but it was something new and I had to learn and I had to adapt had to get better so that sort of mindset I think really helps you to improve and get better and I think it's a fundamental reason why I've managed to overcome what I have in my life and now I want to pass on those experiences and that knowledge to others to help them so that's what drives me on and that's what motivates me is is helping others there's nothing more rewarding and helping somebody. It's far more important to me than any goal I ever scored for England. It's having the platform to help others. There's nothing more special than that. Yeah, and obviously, so Sean, myself, and, and Jules Rodjack, we've all sort of overcome a, a brain injury. Sean, do you want to sort of tell us about your own experience of, you know, the result of having a brain injury and then being able to sort of motivate yourself and push yourself to do better and overcome a new disability? Well, after my brain injury, both physically and mentally, I was at an all-time low. And it was when I found disability football that really brought on my recovery. It made me get my limbs moving again and also put me in a much better headspace. So then I was more active. And by doing that, I'm then around other disabled people, much like myself. So I was at a level playing field and it helped me socially and everything come out so... I think disability sport is a real thing that cannot get enough exposure because there's so many people that end up in a similar situation as to what we have. And us three are three people here that have all said that sport, the disability sport has came out and brought us on real well. 
Yeah, and obviously mental health is a big issue at the moment with the whole COVID pandemic. It's, it's very hard for everyone uh, to cope. And Brian, do you want to tell us a bit about how you've been training during lockdown? So I've just been in my garden and doing like little videos and stuff to try and, and just keep keep playing and keep keep it different and keep playing and having fun. So basically, I did this five drill challenge, and I and I picked five different drills, and I and I posted and I gave it to the RCPF and we all posted it on the on the internet. So then more people like go out in the garden, start playing, start enjoying the sport and just trying the best to play in these difficult times i guess yeah what, what, what message would you give to people who perhaps are listening to this podcast and they're thinking right i want to motivate myself but i don't know how to get myself motivated so i would just say just keep positive make sure you just keep trying your best and then we will finish this thing will all be done soon and just, just keep trying Exactly, and that's the huge optimism we all have to take with us. Jack, what about yourself? Is there any messages you'd give anyone who's listened to this podcast who perhaps hasn't tried disability sport or is new to disability sport or is new to a sport in general who isn't sure how to take on a new hurdle? What advice would you give them? I think definitely get involved in, in any sport because it doesn't matter if you reach the elite level or not. Playing sport, as Sean has already mentioned so, so well, improves your confidence, improves your emotional and physical well-being. Socially, you're talking to people and you're with like-minded people. So the, the improvements you can make in your life is, is, is unbelievable just by playing the sport. If you're not sure about where to go to find out about opportunities, then if you go on your regional football association website, there will be a disability officer there. So drop them an email or a call. They'll be able to point you in the right direction in terms of disability football sessions that you can play in. Obviously, at the moment, there won't be any happening, unfortunately. But when this is all over, get involved with that. Fundamentally, just stay as positive as you can, as Brian said. Be willing to test yourself and, and step out of your comfort zone. It won't be easy to begin with. You'll mess up. You'll make, you'll make mistakes. But that's where you learn and grow the most. And um, you never know where it could lead to. Um, when I first joined the East Midlands CP team in Nottingham, I was all over the place. Mentally, physically, my balance and coordination was, was nowhere near as good as what it is now. I took up the opportunity. I was willing to step out of my comfort zone. A year later, I'm scoring a hatchery against Spain in the Intercontinental Championship. That's what can happen in life if you're willing to take up opportunities. So that would be my biggest message to everybody listening. Take opportunities, whether you succeed or not. It's about growing and learning and trying to be the best that you can be. Another big thing as well, I think, especially for myself, I'm now moved down to London. I was based up in Manchester before I, the COVID pandemic hit and suddenly I had to move down to London. And I've been very fortunate to be able to live with my family. And so family, I think, is a really important thing in terms of your own recovery. So when I had my brain injury, I had to learn to recover through physical exercise, mental exercise, everything just to get better and improve myself. What advice or what, what sort of message did you get from your own family to support you in your recovery, Jack? My family were unbelievable. Uh, my mum, especially, just supported me so much. Um, you know, she slept in the, in the chair next to my hospital bed for almost three weeks while I was in intensive care. She took me home. She looked after me. She supported me emotionally. She, she supported me in my training when I went back to do my balance and coordination drills, going out in the rain, snow, dark she was out there supporting me and working with me so you know I owe my life to her um, and her support friends were great as well a few friends um, Headway the brain injury charity I'm sure everyone in the school has heard of Headway amazing charity helping people after brain injury so they were really really good um, but fundamentally it was about me actually taking some responsibility myself and trying to find ways to improve so I knew that after my brain injury, um, I couldn't remember things as well. I'd get a lot more tired. My emotional control wasn't as good. So I went online and I researched ways to get better. So that's reading book, books, doing mind games, getting enough sleep, thinking about my diet. All of these things just helped with my recovery so much. But having that support around me with Headway and my mum was obviously fundamental in my recovery. And I'm sure all of you guys in this call are the same. You need support. Um, around you you need to be able to talk about your problems if you have a brain injury you have to have that comfort blanket because it is a struggle it is hard but over time and years you will get better and improve uh, more often than not yeah and Brian obviously you are um, now getting a lot of support from your, your dad 
and you're doing this amazing work on Twitter and you're doing amazing work on social media to help raise awareness of disability sport and football in particular. What message do you want to give to your dad or to your family as well to say thank you for their support? Oh, just, it's just the things that my, my family and my dad and everyone have done, it's just amazing. It's like, to be able to help me find all of these things and just understand it better and just learn how to do it myself so I can go and, you know, message people and understand everything. It's just, I just want to say thank you very much to all of the, everyone. Yeah, that's that's definitely true. And that support, I suppose, Sean, um, from your own family during the time of your brain injury, what, what message would you give to them? Well, my brain injury happened at such a... at the age of 15 when so much is going on in life. I had GCSEs and stuff coming up. And I was at that age in life where you're getting ready to leave school and your independence is coming. But then my brain injury set all that back and I had to rely on my mum like I was a baby again. And my mum had to really try and work hard with me to help me progress. And I'm so forever grateful to all my family for being so strong and sticking by me and helping me get through that. And I'm sure that is the same situation for all of us with our families. Yeah, it definitely is here. I mean, so again, I had my brain injury when I was 15 years old and my mum and my dad and my brother were there to support me the whole way through it. Uh, and they have done ever since. They've been absolutely fantastic in sort of helping me achieve my goals and even set this campaign up and you know support me with that as well. So if anyone is interested uh, in reading a bit more about Brian's story as well, uh, or Matt Crossan, as, as Jack mentioned earlier on, please go to www.whycan'twe.co.uk forward slash interviews and you can see all the interviews with a range of different disability sports stars there. So Jack, what's, uh, what's on the agenda next for you then? Trying to survive COVID, I think. Um, it's hard, isn't it? You, you make goals and you, you have these aspirations. And I think we've all had to come to a little bit of a pause and a reset. Um, so I'm just trying to control what I can control and not worry too much about further down the line, just trying to keep fit, stimulating my body and mind. A lot of my work now with speeches and mentoring has gone online. So it's learning how to use Zoom and all those different things like that I'm not accustomed to at all. I hate technology. So I've had to step out of my comfort zone again with that, but I'm getting used to it and I'm enjoying it. But long term, obviously, I want to get back with my under 21 CP team and, and coaching them and developing those young players. And long term, you know, there's nothing more than I want than to be working with the senior team again as a coach. And then maybe if I'm good enough later down the line, a manager going back to tournaments, you know, I'll be the first person to be a captain, you know, player, captain, coach, manager of that CP team. As I said earlier, I like breaking down boundaries. I like being the first to do things. So that's what I'm working towards, hopefully, because then that will hopefully inspire others to want to do the same. So that will be my probably my biggest goal long term is that, uh, Peter. Yeah, okay. And obviously you're talking about the under-21 team. Is there any sort of star players we need to start looking at? Oh, I can't be putting pressure on them, Peter. Come on. <laughs> um, there's loads There's loads of good players in that in that outfit. Jordan Twist was a player who um, really impressed me. Came into the 21s. He did really well. He went to those European championships that Brian spoke about in Holland. And he was exceptional against Russia. He was a standout player. And there's lots of players like that within the group who have the potential um, they just need the opportunity, they need the patience, they need the time and um, they can do what Jordan Twister's done. And Matty Robinson's another one, came to the 21s, had a couple of camps, went to the seniors, competed in those tournaments, competed in Seville, actually, in their, in their last tournament before COVID, where he did really well in that. So we've got a good track record of producing players through the pathway, uh, but there's plenty of players with the um, potential to do it. It's just about whether they get the opportunity and whether they can take it, which is the hardest thing. But there's lots of good players coming through. Emerging talent, under-21s. And there are players out there as well who are playing mainstream football who could play. And that's why things like this are so important, Peter, to get the message out there. Anybody who's had a stroke, acquired brain injury, has cerebral palsy, could have the opportunity to play. So make sure you tell those people, you pass on those messages because they could have their life completely changed by the sport. And again, just so if anyone did miss it earlier on, how can they get involved if you don't know how to get involved with the disability football team? Brian, do you want to pick that one up? How can you get involved? So all you have to do is just like, just 
try and message people, try and, you know, anyone that's involved with the sport and the, get involved with the regional FA and stuff like that. And how did you get involved with CP United in the first place, Brian? Uh, I played against them in a tournament. I really, and I really liked all the coaches and all the people. So I decided to join that team and... The rest is history, as they say. He basically got signs. They bought him for 250 grand from his club. And he's coming, yeah. he's gone to CP United. <laughs> that's, that's how he's got the medals in the background now. <laughs> so, Brian, obviously talking about your goals, what are your goals for the next few years going forward? Hopefully, uh, COVID will have moved on by then. Um, my goals are to play in the Paralympics one day and to raise awareness for cerebral palsy football and cerebral palsy sport. Fantastic. Well, I want to say thank you very much. And, and Sean, obviously, disability football is your is your main passion at the moment. Is there any questions you've got for Jack or for Brian about the sport? Well, one thing I just really want to say to Brian is, I know he's a youth ambassador for CP football and stuff like that, but me as an adult, you are someone that's inspired me to try help promote disability sport more so you're just doing great in what you do I can't even express how well you're doing there you go so Brian fantastic work Jack thank you very much for attending hopefully Brian you didn't know that that was going to happen it's a bit of a surprise are you going to stay in touch yeah yeah definitely good and Jack thanks again for, for doing that no my absolute pleasure it's great to connect with you all and um, yeah thank you for the work that you're doing with this Peter you should be very proud of yourself as well this could be a massive thing which could create opportunities for so many people and promote disability sports so thank you Peter alright so and thank you very much to both of you like they said before if you want to get involved with disability football then please go and check your county FA or get in touch with why can't we and we can point you in the right directions or Jack also runs his own set, uh, soccer skills school where can we find out about that? So that's Jack Rutter Skills School. So if you just go online, type that in. Uh, my website's there. I, you know, deliver loads of different sessions for different organisations at a budget that can that can suit you as well. Um, and also free work as well. I'm always, always doing volunteer work as well. So if you want to get in touch and uh, have any sessions run by me, please feel free to do so. Brian, where can people find out about your work you're doing? Either on the IFCPF website or... Just my Twitter page, which is Brian June 2006. Well, thank you very much both for joining us, and hopefully we'll keep in touch and see you soon, Brian. One day lifting the Paralympic trophy. Hopefully, yeah. Well, thanks a lot, guys, and uh, speak to you all very soon. Thank you. Take care, everyone. Bye bye. Thanks a lot. Goodbye. Yeah. If you enjoyed this podcast, then don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Join us next time on this sport pod. See you then. Sports Social Podcast Network.